SAFM, let's talk. Songhezo Mapete on The Viewpoint. 2049, and it's now time for Mr. Mark Hardwick, who's the managing director of The Guardian, a specialist child abuse investigation company, who have recently launched and will hold their first seminar, if you will, on the 10th of May, talking about safe schools. It's a safe schools seminar. Mr. Hardwick, good evening. Good evening. How are you? Good evening to Couldn't listen. Thank you so much. Couldn't be better, thank you. Tell us about this campaign and what brought about it. So the, campa- the campaign comes on the back of, I think, a lot of what we've seen within schools and certainly within um, the media over the last few years where we find all too often that there is things like sexual assault, bullying, domestic violence, drugs, etc., etc., where we sit within a situation where learners are aware of these challenges that are that are happening within the school environment, and they feel that through a code of secrecy, through a code of brother or sisterhood for that matter, that they feel they would rather protect friendship as opposed to bringing these challenges to the powers that be so that, you know, these things can come out and be, and, 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 and really kind of get the help that they need as opposed to feeling like that they have to handle it on their own. What's happening on the 10th in Durban High School? What is the discussion or the theme of that day? So the, the, the theme is breaking the silence. The theme is giving schools and, um, and educators, headmasters, the, the vehicles by which they can use the, 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 the policies that they can implement that would potentially create an environment where, where, where learners feel more comfortable to disclose challenges that they're facing or challenges that they know that their friends are facing. Breaking the code of silence being conversation with Mr. Mark Hardwick, MD of The Guardian, a specialist child abuse investigation company. Please, we're taking calls on 0891-104-207. Are you in any way as an educator affected by safety in your school? Are you as a pupil affected by safety at school? Are you as a parent affected by the safety of your partner or your child at school. We've got all of seven minutes to take your calls on 0891-104-207. My guest this evening is Mr. Mark Hardwick. Mark, where was the agitation to bring about this campaign for Safe School Seminar? I understand what we all have seen in this country was chilling for everybody, but the agitation needed to come from a point and it needed certain events to take place for what will culminate on Friday, the 10th of May. I think I think it's a combination of a lot of things. I think if one had to really identify possibly the straw that broke the camel's back was when one considers, you know, a school like Part Town Boys, one that's got such an amazing reputation for so many different things. For us to understand that, you know, even learners in an environment like that that that's, that one would believe to be a completely protected environment ended up in a situation where, you know, the water polo coach ended up being accused for for so many violations and i think we had to take a step back and go well if in a, if in an environment that is protected like that one is how how does this play out in the bigger you know in, in other communities where potentially the protection isn't as great and we often see things like you know in the headlines where learners for example have have been giving sexual favors so that they can get better marks and and, and um, you know, the, the whole culture of the blesser that's now come to the fore. And I mm. think there's a lot of challenges today where as educators and as those that are charged with looking after and safeguarding children, we need to kind of be going, what can what, what we're doing is not working. So how do we identify 
change how we move forward? How do we create that platform where we can find out the information, first of all, and secondly, once we have the information, what are we empowered? What are our rights as educators or what are our rights as principals, as parents? What can we do? What can we expect from the state in terms of them stepping in and, and, and eliminating these things? You touch on some stakeholders. Could you give us a more complete picture as to who the stakeholders will be at DHS this weekend? Okay, so the, the stakeholders that will be that will be there is we have um, representation from the National Prosecuting Authority. Um, we do have um, people that were involved in the um, uh, in the Parktown Boys um, thing. We we have uh, members from school governing bodies who have been a part of schools when this thing has broken and how they've dealt with it from a from a media perspective and from a school reputation perspective, and then also looking at it from the side of the learner and what what vehicles we can empower them to give them the ability to disclose. Will the learners be there? Okay, so the, the learners won't be there. The, 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 we're, we're going to have our audiences primarily headmasters and people in charge of schools so that they can take back to their schools the tools that they can start implementing to create an environment where learners are more comfortable to talk. Can I be slightly controversial? Allow me, Mark. Please. We're talking about schools, safety among the stakeholders there in the school setup are learners, and they'll be absent. I think, I think that if we, st- if we start going down the road of going, the safety of learners belongs to learners, then I think we're, we're going down a very slippery slope. I think we have, to, we have to be standing up as adults. We have to be saying that children are our responsibility and the safeguarding of them has to belong to the powers that be. If we start going that the safety of the learners belongs to the learners, then I think we're going down a very slippery slope. I'm going, if we can empower headmasters, and, and one thing we certainly know is in as much as there are these bad eggs in schools all over the country, and as much as we can see that these things are going wrong, the reality is, is that most teachers, most educators, most headmasters are on the same page as you and I, where we need to be safeguarding the learners. The challenge is, is that most of them don't have the tools or are ill-equipped to implement the necessary policy within the schools to assist them to get over that hurdle. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Mark Hardwick is the MD of The Guardian, a specialist child abuse investigation company. They are in conversation and the Safe Schools seminar titled Breaking the Code of Silence this set, this Friday, beg your pardon, 10 May at Durban High School. Mark, of course we're taking calls, but Mark, let's just have a conversation more about this last point. Does this not in a way entrench the culture of suppressing the children's voices? Here's why. It took... How many learners for the Parktown incident itself to come out in the fall? He had been doing this. The voices of the scholars are silent and silenced, if you will, if I understand that this seminar is taking place without them. And and I'm just trying to be a pupil for a moment here because I sat on the Learners Representative Council when I was in matric, and at least I had a voice. Whether it yes. was definitive or authoritative or even influential, something else. But at least I had sure. a voice or the impression of response. Yes. So, so would you would you would you agree that any power that you may have had on the SRC, any power that that a learner feels they may have, it, all of that is given to them by the powers within the school organisation. 
I mean, a learner can't choose to all of a sudden take over the school because they don't have the power. They only have the power that is given to them. And if we're saying that these learners are still trapped by the challenges that they're facing, given the powers that we're currently giving them, we need to step back and go, are we empowering them enough or what can we be doing differently to empower them? How do we break this code of silence? How do we say to them, we know that you're telling your best friend, we know that you're talking in a WhatsApp group, about the challenges that you're facing, but the people to whom you are talking aren't able to help you. You know who can help you, but you're not choosing to speak to those people. So how do we, as the people that understand child abuse, understand the psychology of the child, understand the dynamics of what they're going through, how do we change the mindset of those that are in power to go, we need to create a platform whereby even if what comes out is detrimental to us, We have to hear it so that we can change. Because until we choose to acknowledge we're doing it wrong, the learners are still empowered to make those choices. And so I agree with you. I agree 100% that there has to be something that follows up that goes, learners, talk to us. Tell us how you will be getting through this. But even that step is a step too far for some people because they're going, why must we listen to them? They're kids. We go back to the old, the age-old adage of, um, you know, be seen, uh, not heard. What's it? Children must be heard. Children must be. Yeah, children um, must heard be seen. Children must not be seen. Yeah, sure. Quick call from Mapiguana in Kwamashu. Mapiguana Kwamashu. It's twenty fifty-eight. I've got to take you very quickly before Mark finalizes the discussion for the top of the hour. Mark, Mapiguana. Yes. Yes. Hello, sir, and good 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 evening to to to, to you. You are to to to, to your guests over there. Um, yeah. I, I I would like to know. Um, if he says they they are, they are providing uh, classes like uh, for 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 teachers, what about the the social workers that already are working with children, um, but they are not getting jobs? Why why don't they take them on and put them in schools so that they can provide that service? Why sideline them and and, and and, and, and teach the teachers. Okay. Thank you so much, Mapigwana. That's my question. Thank you so much. In fact, Marco, this is what I'm going to do. We're going to take the news at the top of the hour, and immediately when you come back from the news, we're going to have your response to this, because I think that's a very important question, because social development, social workers have an inherent right, inherent jurisdiction, inherent work definition, scope, if you will, on the interests of the child. And Mapiguana's call speaks to the heart of that. And I don't want to give you the indignity of responding to something as important as that in 30 seconds. As I wrap up the first hour, we were in conversation with Professor Shedrak Chirikuri, the head of Department of Archaeology at UCT. And in discussion right now, and we'll return to him after the news, is Mark Hardwick, the MD of The Guardian, a specialist child abuse investigation company. Stay tuned. It's nine o'clock. Viewpoint weekdays 8 to 10 p.m. on SAFM. The Viewpoint weekdays 8 to 10 p.m. Song is on the Viewpoint. As promised, we want to continue the conversation with had we had rather with Mr. Mark Hardwick, who's the MD of the Guardian, a specialist child abuse investigation company that is based where exactly, Mark? We're in Durban. We we, we, we work right across the country, but our head office is in KZ in Durban, yeah.
Excellent. Thank you so much. Now, let's respond to that question posed earlier on by my Piguana talking about the role of social workers in the schools. Yes. So, the comment that the, the, the caller made was so valid, was so on the mark, because the reality is, is that very often learners find themselves in a situation where they want to disclose, but to whom they will disclose, they're uncertain of. And I know very often within schools, they have no social worker. In some schools, there's one social worker doing a couple of schools. And so, yes, I think those kinds of steps have to be taken where we can give learners uh, the ability to be talking about the challenges that they are facing. I think that's exceptionally important. The other challenge that comes, though, however, is one has to remember that when, when, when we look at sexual assault, it's just it's such, a, it's such a different dynamic in comparison to many of the other challenges that are faced by anybody, very simply because once, the, once it has happened, there's generally this, you know, we very often uh, uh, concern ourselves, which is important, the grooming that happens pre the abuse. But there's also what, you know, what one would term post-abuse grooming, where, we, where, where the perpetrator is threatening the person or making promises or, you know, threatening to remove uh, certain things that they may have. Have. And so we need we need vehicles, and I think it is absolutely important of the role of the social worker. I have, however, visited many environments where the social worker who is working in that place is there because they're earning a salary, and they and so what happens is when you give the child the hope of the social worker, and the social worker doesn't do the job, you create a bigger problem for yourself. So yes, I believe a social worker or somebody that works in a childcare environment being at the school to address those challenges is an exceptionally beneficial asset to have. But then one has to bear in mind that the social worker has to be someone whose heart is in it that wants to make the difference, and they really can make a integral, an integral change in there. You know, as you are talking there, Mark, I, I couldn't help but think about the culture of typical boys' schools, Eurocentric British models, and to an extent the Afrikaans schools, if not to a large extent, I'm not sure because I never went to them, but I mean, I'm modeling on my background as a guy who was in hostel and this culture of initiation. Do we sufficiently dress the culture, not necessarily between pupils and staff, but among boys and girls or pupils themselves? Yes. So, okay. So one. Okay. So there's a challenge within boys' schools, and there's a challenge within in girls' schools. It's a similar challenge, but the root of the challenge is is is, is slightly different. So, um, within within the, within the dynamic of the teenage girl, there are challenges of insecurity. There are challenges of, of not good enough, and it's very often girls go through that when they go through their teenage years. And so, what happens is a perpetrator has the ability, well, takes advantage of that. When we look at the challenges faced within a boys' environment, <clears throat> excuse me, eventually, uh, very often boys, if they do go down the road of sexual assault, kind of feel that if they disclose that, they almost bring a ridicule upon themselves that they're not wanting to bring a, bring out. Additionally, boys are trying to find a place in this in this world where they're kind of stuck in that place between boy and man, where they want him to be the man, and they feel that if they if they bring the challenges that they are facing to someone like a social worker or a therapist, that mm. they're not being the man that they should be. They're so, weak. you know, there's mm. that old culture of dry your legs, cowboys don't cry. And so these are, these are things, these are stigmas that we have to get past. We've got to get past the fact that 
as much as we can look at a 16 or 17 year old boy that is potentially as big as a man, he's shaving, he has the physiological uh, makeup. Psychologically, mm-hmm. he isn't that person. Psychologically, he is still a young. And so we meet what your caller said. Somebody who is like a social worker or a counselor, you can get in there and say, you're now in a safe space. It's now okay. In this space, cowboys do cry. In this space, you're being a man when you, when you own up to those feelings and tell us what you're going through. Because if we can create that culture, if we can create a place where girls are going, I, I, don't, have to, I don't have to be something I'm not to be okay and we can get to boys and go when you're owning the challenges that you're facing it doesn't make you less of a man if we can create that environment not only do we make the children safer well but by default we make it more difficult for the perpetrator to want to 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 perpetrate because they go if i come into this school and i start focusing on learners in this school there is a culture in this school where they will talk. And so the perpetrator by default will move on or go somewhere else. We know when we look at international standards, for example, that if the recruitment policies are so rigid when, when taking on staff and social workers and principals that we're doing things like sex offender register checks first, we're doing things like criminal checks, we're making sure that this person hasn't got a history like that, we create an environment where that environment becomes safer. And if we can replicate that in schools across the country, we essentially make South African children right across the country, and if we roll this out through the world everywhere, safer. Mark, we could talk forever about this, but nonetheless, thank you so much for the work that you do, and I understand this is the first in a series, so surely more is to come. Absolutely, and we really hope that we can make a difference, and we hope that as many people as possible turn up and, and they can learn from this and they can take it out into their communities, into their schools, and we can ultimately make a difference. Because like, you know, at the end of the day, if, if, if out of this thing one child is safer, it was all worth it. All right. Final question. Outside yes. this, what else does The Guardian do? What else does it stand for? What else is its work? Well, The Guardian, first and foremost, is the face of the company, is we're specialist child abuse investigators, so we investigate crimes against children. But coming out of that, we implement child protection policy, we do drug searches, we do everything that aligns itself to the safeguarding of children. And then for us, our, our new baby, our thing that we've recently given birth to, which for us is, is getting international uh, recognition, is an anonymous reporting app. Learners can download our app. It's, an, it's called The Guardian Anonymous Reporting App. And they can make an anonymous report around challenges that they're facing. Or if you're sitting on the playground and you heard that your friend is going home to domestic violence or sexual assault, you can send that through and we can then, we can then assist the person without them having to disclose who they are, without them violating friendship trust. Mark, thank you so much for your yes. good work and all the best. Pleasure. Thank you. Mark Hardwick, MD of The Guardian, a specialist child abuse investigation company. Stay tuned. We've got two men who I can simply refer to as... Goats.